let's take a quick gander at the fantasy basketball waiver wire. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and my money don't jiggle jiggle. It folds. I remember that one. I am the also the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore b-ball on TikTok at redrock underscore b-ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code, it's all lowercase, locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. Yes, all platforms. We are here to talk about the Fantasy Basketball Waiver Wire. Week 8 is coming to an end. Week 9 is about to start. And you know how we uh, how we do this. But you maybe don't know how we do this because I'm changing a couple of things because we got some feedback last week and it made sense to look at it. When we did the must roster segment of the show, we're talking about guys who are under 80% rostered who I didn't think should be. And the number one guy that came out there was Kobe White. I went, this is weird. This guy's dominating. He's putting up like top 20 numbers. Why is he still sitting at 79%? Are there this many leagues inactive? And then I went to look back on it two days later and he went to 81%. So there were some people who honestly had no idea what they were doing. Sorry if that was all. Like that's a ridiculous thing to have sitting on the wire for that long. But what I'm going to do now with the must roster segment, instead of looking at my rest of season projections and looking at 80% rostered, I'm cutting it down to 70% rostered. And I'm also going to look at it more must roster instead of rest of season, shorter term. So over the next two to three weeks, who are some guys who are over 30% available? Maybe it's your league. Maybe it's not. Maybe your league's a taco league. Maybe it's not. I don't know. I don't care. Taco league's a nonsense term and I want more people into this uh, hobby and sport. But... Um, That's what we're doing. We're looking at the next two weeks. So these guys may not have long, 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 long long-term value, but we're talking, who do you need to grab right now that has this value as a top 100, 110 sort of a player um, coming up? That's that's what we're doing. We're talking waiver. I think I already hit that stinger. I don't really remember, but you know, sometimes stuff happens. So let's look at must rosters. So who are we looking at as a must roster player here? Well, we are going to start by looking at Derek Lively, who would have made this list anyway if it was rest of season because he's very clearly a rest of season player. He sits at 70% rostered. I know he just turned his ankle, but do not use that as any excuse to drop him. Also, by the way, this is category league only. There will be a separate slide for points. Eh? This is category league only. Lively must roster him. I don't care that his ankle's turned. Unless we hear he's out for six weeks or two weeks or whatever. Maybe use this opportunity if someone did go and drop him to go and add him. Isaiah Hartenstein sits at 43% rostered. Yes, he's coming off the bench. It also doesn't really matter. He's playing 30 minutes a night. I think he's had six blocks in his last two games. He's not going to blow up with big usage. He's not going to do the thing that everyone's eyes get drawn to in that score. But he rebounds. He gets a couple of assists. He's blocking shots. His efficiency is usually pretty good. He just should be on rosters. And as you can see, he's not. In the majority of leagues, 43% rostered only for Hartenstein. The next one's in Yekara Kongwu. 
Started the last two games. One was at Powerford with DeAndre Hunter out. One was at center with Clint Capella out. I don't know that he's going to continue to start. In fact, I don't think that he will necessarily. But in those two games, the production has jumped up. And that was part of our issue with him. The minutes were okay. It was 24, 25 a night. But all of his rates were well down. And they've bumped back up. I don't, again, I don't know that he's going to start, but we heard Quinn Snyder say things which were, whatever the opposite of ominous is, um, foretelling, looking at going, huh, sometimes in, yeah, what was it, what did he say? Invention is due to necessity or some shit. What's that? Necessity is the mother of invention. That's it. Because like, hey, we had to try this because guys are out and it was pretty good, yeah? So maybe we see a little bit more from him at Powerford. Maybe they extend their rotation out slightly and give him some more minutes there rather than 37 minutes of Sadiq Bay. Regardless, we always try and be a little bit ahead if we can. Now I've been ahead of a Kongwell season. He's had a real rough stretch between about weeks five and seven. He's come back up now. It's trending in the right direction. I would add. Nas Reed. I don't know how long this continues for Reed, but McDaniels is out again. They're running these lineups sometimes with Reed, Towns, and Gobert all together. And he's shooting really well. He's getting good minutes. He's outplaying Kyle Anderson. Go for it. I don't know that it continues. In fact, I'm pretty confident it can't continue at this level. But for now, we go and get him. Same with Sadiq Bey. He's not a great player. He's not a good player, in fact. He will be on the bench, I'm guessing, when Jalen Johnson returns. And then as soon as that happens, swift kick up the ass. Get rid of him. But for now, he should be rostered. He will have some nights where he doesn't shoot well. But it is hard to find a 37-minute-a-night starting power forward, a double-digit scorer who hits multiple threes, might get five rebounds, a steal or so. Like That's just a hard thing to find off the wire. He just shouldn't be sitting available in 40% of leagues. And the last one on this list is the Padawan, Colin Sexton. Because Clarkson's out, Sexton's doing a ton of scoring. I don't love Sexton as a player. You're all well aware of this. In fact, I'm not even sure he ends this season on the Jazz. But if he plays like this, then him or Clarkson might not end up this season on the Jazz. Sexton's playing well. He's taking advantage of this opportunity, and you take advantage by grabbing him. That sounds wrong, but you can still do that. Let's look at some must-roster guys for points leagues now. Karis LeVert. Now, Karis LeVert is on the category must-roster too. I only did six. But in points leagues, LeVert is a much better player. Now, what, this is what I saw happen yesterday. We saw the news of Garland and Mowley going down, and LeVert was the guy that we all thought would be the guy to go and grab. The game before, he'd also played 34 minutes and dominated with Garland playing in that one. We thought, all right, that's going to be it. Now, I did mention this, that I wasn't sure that they would start him. I thought they might go with Okoro. wasn't sure on that, but they did start Okoro. And we saw Levert's minutes push down, which is, again, one of those things where you go, how does that make any sense? And the answer is it doesn't. And coaches do this all the time. He plays 35 minutes a night the night before when Garland was healthy and 24 minutes when Garland is out. Again, nonsense makes no common sense whatsoever. But then that goes, man, do we just move on from Levert now? It was one game. You do have to give it a little bit more time than one game. So if you added Levert because of the Garland news, it was the right decision, process over results. And you don't move on after one game. 51% only for Levert, meaning there are massive opportunities here. The next three names we've already talked about, Sexton, Hartenstein, and Bay. So they are guys that grab in points leagues. The next guy is Brandon Pajemski, who also is a 12-team category must-add player. But in points leagues, he is too. There was just a few others in category leagues that pushed ahead of him. He is starting. He was great last game. I don't know that he continues to start moving forward. But what I do know is that he has outplayed Kaminga in the two games. So when Draymond comes back, does Kaminga move to the bench and Pajemski stays starting? At this point, I'd say that's highly likely. There can still be a lot of mess with this team. He might have some off nights. 
they might decide. It's, it's also weird that with Wiggins bench and Green out, Moses Moody's minutes have dropped. But they are realizing that Pajemski is a really good player and he's putting up strong numbers. He was my preference over Kaminga for category leagues. I had Kaminga over him for points leagues, but it's also looking like Pajemski might be a points league guy too. Well, a, a, a guy that's ahead of Kaminga for points. And the last one there for points leagues is Jeremy Sohan. Yes, he's not a sexy name at all, but he's starting. He plays 33 minutes a night. And I think that's probably enough for us to get involved with him in, in a points league. And he probably should be on rosters. Category leagues, no. But in a points league, I, I, I do think yes. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Price Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's also the easiest and the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's issue against the numbers. No sharks to come in there. No, no uh, pros with their spreadsheets and their algorithms and their hours and hours of research. Price Picks is just player projections. They put up a number and you just choose more or less. You do between two to six of those each day or each entry that you do. And you can win up to 25 times your entry fee back. So you put 10 bucks in, that's $250. You can do that for you. You've got points, and they say more or less, or assists, or rebounds, or threes, fantasy points. You can do the combo specials they have as well, which is like NFL receptions plus NBA player threes. Put them together. Will they go over or more or less than this number? Easy. More or less. Click it. Put in your lineup. Done. It's so fast. You can do these in under 60 seconds. It's so easy to do. Just two to six, 25 times back. There you go. Bang. Done. So go to pricepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That is pricepix.com slash LockedOnNBA. The code is LockedOnNBA and you can get a first deposit match up to $100. Pricepix is daily fantasy made easy. Okay. So that is the must roster section of the show. Now, let's look at the guys that I do consider droppable. Get that garbage out of here! Yep. Who do we look at as droppable? We're going to do this in separate categories and points leagues as well. So starting off the category droppable list is Punch Bob. Now, it does say again, we can be very reactive, and I'm not going to talk significantly about a lot of the reactive stuff here in this show, but we can be really reactive with stuff and go, well, Josh, how could you possibly consider Bobby Portis a droppable player after he put up this huge game last game? And that is true. That is a really hard thing to do. And I'm not saying to go out and drop Bobby Portis, but that was a great game. It was in a 40-point blowout against the Pistons, and it's his first good game in weeks. So when we're looking at the overall scheme of things, if Portis is on your roster, I don't think that you have to hold him. It is a hard decision to make to drop someone when they play that well. It's like selling high could be difficult as well. When someone goes bananas, it's very hard to move on from that. But that is yeah, something that, that you have to consider. This is more of, a, again, a longer-term view here with someone like Punch Bob. I just don't see him being a guy that has to be a foundational piece on your team. Ron Barrett. He was also better yesterday. But again, do you need to hold RJ Barrett in 12-team category leagues? No, you don't. You can stream him in when you need points. End of the week, that can work. But remember, he's going to hurt you in a lot of areas. He's going to be, I think, awesome. Have we got time? I guess so. Let's do a little bit of a side round about that. And I'm very guilty of this as well. But we hear it a lot through fantasy and fantasy analysts and fantasy users who talk about this and saying that a player hurts you in categories, right? Which I think is a bad way of phrasing it. RJ Barrett can legitimately hurt you in your percentage categories. That's true. But we often talk about a player who hurts you in assists or hurts you in rebounds. And that's just not true, right? If they're below average, remember in a fantasy league, 156 players, 12 teams, anyone who's like below the top 75, theoretically hurts you in that category. I think that's just a bad way of looking at it. 
and I'm guilty of it too. Well, he's actually got a negative Z score, so he hurts you in that category. I don't think that's a great way of looking at this because if you get three assists and the average in your league is 3.5, is three hurting you? No, it's still adding three assists onto your team. Percentages, different story because you can sit there and your team can be at 50 and a guy can come out and shoot one of nine and then he actively decreases your number. But you never actively decrease your counting stats number. So I just, I don't know. That's a terminology thing, but also can put... The human brain's weird, man. Who wants to go on another tangent? I've been watching this show called Interior Design Masters, right? About people doing interior decorating. And so much of it is like, well, I'm going to paint the room this color and the roof this color. It will, um, the room will appear smaller or larger. I put this here, everything looks bigger. Okay, our brains are so stupid, right? All it takes is a color for us to go, huh, room's big? When it's literally exactly the same size. Huh, man, I feel really cramped here because of a color. It's the same size. Our brains are stupid in that regard. Yet, intellectually, we know it's stupid, but we still react that way. And that idea of saying that somebody, again, this will come full circle, master orator here, this will come full circle because when you look at a player and you go, well, RJ hurts you in seven categories, and you go, well, he must be dreadful then. But he's not because he still might get you five rebounds below an average of six, three assists instead of three and a half, um, yeah, 0.8 steals instead of one, whatever the numbers are. Is that hurting you? Is it hurting you in relative to who's on the wire? Probably not. Is it as good as it wants to be? Pro- but also probably not. I say all this to say you don't need to roster RJ Barrett, but this is just a, a larger discussion about us. If we're just saying that someone is a negative in all these categories, we're just going, oh, they're terrible. Oof, why would we want that guy? Yuck. When that's just not a great way of uh, valuating a player. I hope that part wasn't useless. I fear it might have been. Uh, Russell Westbrook, 78% rostered. You 100% do not... Tr- 78% rostered, 100% drawable. You do not roster this guy in 12-10 leagues. Why is everybody hanging on? What on earth is going on? Please. And I know some of these are point six, but just get the, this guy out of here. You do, he's playing like 15 minutes a night. What are we holding on to? It's not 2017. Get him out of here. Jalen Green's at 88%. Yes, can be a scoring option, but he's bad in most areas. Under 30 minutes for the last three games. You don't have... I've got him in a 12-10 league. I've got him in industry pickup because I'm sitting at the top of the standings and his scoring's really useful for me. But if someone comes up and I need to add, then he's gone. He's my worst player and he will go. He just doesn't do enough in other areas. And the other one there is Andy Wiggins who has looked a little bit better, but he still sits above the 60% threshold that we've got here. So I'm more than happy to move on. For points leagues, there are only three names that I look at here who are over-rostered if I look at the roster percentages. One of them is Buddy Heald and he has been really bad of late. I don't think Buddy Heald, who's 79% rostered, needs to be a 12-team must-roster player for points leagues. Categories, I probably would still hold, but it is getting very perilous. Points leagues, move on. And then there's Anyekura Kongu, who I think is a must-add in category leagues, but you don't roster him in 12-team points leagues. You don't need to do that. Especially, and in 10 teams, absolutely no way. And then Andy Wiggins is on that list as well as a droppable guy for both of those, uh, or for points and for category, points and category formats. Let's look at the most added players over the last 48 hours here. Number one on that list is someone that we talked about already. It is Dracaris Levert, up 66%, 100% the correct decision, that is. Yes, it wasn't great last game. Yes, you were going to have um, issues with percentages, but he needed to be added. Grayson Allen up 50%. Why? Because we got the news on Bradley Beal being out for you know, two to three weeks here with the ankle problem. Eric Gordon's been in and out of the lineup as well. And again, I will stress this to you. Do not let somebody tell you that the Suns have a bad schedule because they've got two games next week in week nine. Do not let anyone tell you that because that is a complete misreading of how head-to-head schedules work. 
they have two games next week on Tuesday with low volume days and Friday with low volume low volume games. Um, where there are plenty of teams that play four games that have only one quality game for the week. So yes, it's two games in total, but how many of us are playing in weekly leagues? T- 10% max for a daily league when the games are played are more important. So a bad analysis of the schedule will tell you that the Suns, for you don't want to go and add them because they've only got two games this week. Absolute nonsense, absolute garbage. Plus, we're also looking moving forward as well. Like with Beal out for a few weeks, Allen is going to be worth grabbing. And yes, the Tuesday-Friday is not ideal. You'd prefer he played Tuesday-Thursday for the two quality games, but he's still worth an ad. The two games does not sink him. Jim Wiseman up 24%. Two really big games in a row from Wiseman. No one is debating that at all. He looked better than Bagley. He looked like the Pistons' best player in some of their games. Very weird environments, obviously, with Isaiah Stewart out and Duran out. I actually don't hate an ad of Wiseman. I'm probably not going to do it myself. He did look good, and there's still confusion if it's going to be him or Bagley or Stewart or what's happening, but he's playing well. Do it. We always want to say, hey, maybe we get ahead of this and get a little bit of action out of him. I'll tell you one thing. Even though I think Bagley is a better real-life player, Wiseman has a little bit more of future upside for the Pistons. So maybe they try it. And I wouldn't be shocked to think that Wiseman's a better player than Isaiah Stewart, who remains bad. Remains bad. In terms of most added players on Yahoo, Pajemski we've talked about already. Malachi Branham, the Spurs do have a strong schedule coming up. His playmaking has improved. I worry a little bit that his game's somewhat empty, but I added him in like one or two leagues, I think. I've got no problem with trying it. Most of his game in the past has been, I need lots of usage and high efficiency. But when you add something different, like getting the assists, then we're, we're, then we're rolling. Go for it. And the last one is Bilal Kulabali, who we've been talking about since probably the start of last week as a guy that was trending up and hopefully we're able to get on board there. I do think that Bilal, who's got a great schedule coming up, by the way, um, that you need to go and grab him now and let's just see where this develops because it is pushing nicely. He's getting 30 a night. The usage is bumping up as well. It is uh, turning into Kulabali time at this point. Let's look at uh, the most dropped players. Get that garbage out of here. Okay. Um, who are the most dropped players? Number one is Dorian Finney-Smith. I'm guessing people just streamed him in for yesterday. He's going to be one of these guys that's on and off rosters for most of the season, I'm guessing. Isaiah Stewart is down 16%. Cool. He's injured. He's bad. You do not need to roster him in 12-team leagues. And Josh the Hitman Hart down 15%. Ejected yesterday. Again, much like Dorian Finney-Smith, you're going to be like, do we grab him? Do we drop him? Do we grab him? That's the same shit. You do not need to hold him uh, in any sort of 12-team format. He can be on your roster and then you can be off, but he is just a guy that you add when the schedule makes sense. In terms of the top three drops on Yahoo, we've got Killian Hayes. Absolutely, you can go and jack him. Get that garbage out of here! Hayes can go. Nick Richards drop. That is a wild decision. I have. Why would you drop Nick Richards? Why is he the second highest most drop player on Yahoo? I know he's not super sexy, but I don't know when Mark Williams is coming back. Neither do you. That is That is a gigantic mistake, I think. Maybe I've missed something completely here and Williams has been cleared and he's ready to play, but the Hornets are banged up. PJ Washington is injured. Mark Williams is injured. He came back from the back and he got hurt again in true Hornets style. That is an insane move to a drop big dig Nick. Ridiculous move, I think. And the other one there is Simone Fontecchio. He's a streamer. While players are out in Utah, absolutely no problem, but not much to talk about there. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. As the weather gets colder, brr, the offers at FanDuel stay hot. 
bets. Yes, because now new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's never been a better time to get in on the action. Who wants to spend expensive money on heating? You can just get these offers to keep you warm. That is how red hot it is over at FanDuel. Money lines, parlays, totals, um, player props, and of course, futures. Do you want to have a look on the most improved odds? Because I reckon if you went to have a look at Keegan Murray's most improved odds, they would have jumped up significantly. I think that's a poor bet, but maybe it happens. Maybe his odds jump up that much and you uh, are falling into it. But all of the odds are over there, over on FanDuel. So go check it out. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Get ready. For the NFL playoffs, get ready for the NBA season to keep going. And FanDuel is also an official partner of something called the NFL. Hey, and don't forget to gamble responsibly. Um, okay, so we've done the most drop players now. We are going to look at players who are hot. I'm not going to make the same joke every week because it's pointless, but I'll occasionally chuck it in there. Um, Let's talk about the guys who have been like top 100 over the last week. Number one on this list is the dart himself, Gogo Badadze, 37% rostered. When Wendell Carter comes back, I just can't see how Goga's going to have enough value, even if he continues to start. He won't continue to play as much as he is, and I think eventually he might be out of the rotation. But for now, we like it. Dante Exum, 43% rostered. Just solid enough. Is he a must-roster guy rest of season? No. But Kyrie's out. Josh Green is out. Is, does Derek Jones have longer staying power than Exum? Probably yes. Exum is playing well. He can be rostered, but you also don't have to. Lou Dort on a little bit of a hot streak. We know what we do with Dort, and that's nothing. We don't get excited. We don't add him, except, except for streaming. He can be a real detriment to your field goal percentage when he plays, but he is playing well at the moment. Torian Prince somehow has been top 100 over the last week. This has been his best stretch of the season. I do not fall for that in a single second. Um, you can always stream him, especially when a player goes down, but it is the biggest Russian roulette of all time. Are you going to get an 0 of 7 bomb or are you going to get a 7 of 7 25-point performance? Who knows? Nobody, not even Torian. Isaiah Jackson's a very interesting name because he has played really well. Now, I don't know what they'll do when Sticks comes back, but the last couple of games, Turner's minutes, out of nowhere, have just dropped. And Jackson's playing 20 minutes a game and putting up clear top 100 numbers. It's not one of these ones where I go, I think you need to get ahead of it because they're going to make a switch and Jackson's going to play 24, 24 a night with Turner. I don't think any of that at all. But at the moment, we this is what we saw, we, we thought with Jackson last season. Hey, they might trade Miles Turner. Jackson's the backup. Um, hey, he's worth a grab because if he plays 20 a night, we're in. And this is exactly why. Unfortunately, we didn't see that Turner would get an extension and then that Jalen Smith would be the backup center over him and he'd be a third string and not playing. We never saw any of that. And that was a huge L last season. But this is why we thought it. If you want to take a stream chance at Jackson and see what happens, by all means. I just don't see this path for him to do this every single night. A lot of things going his way. And the other one there is Kevin Love. As long as Bam Adebayo is out, Love is the guy. Somehow he is turning back the clock. He's playing better than Orlando Robinson, clearly better than Thomas Bryant. And with Bam out, Love is totally reasonable to have, like the other seven guys on the Miami Heat who are streamable players. There are a lot of them, as you're well aware. Injury replacement options from the guys that we haven't spoken about as well. Number one on this list is John Kaminga. Um, 40% rostered still. Priority in points over categories. He hasn't been great in the two games. And we know Steve Kerr is going to have the quickest hook of all time. Kerr prefer, prefers at this point Pajemski over Kaminga because Pajemski is a better field player. 
Kaminga's a better athlete. He could be a better player, but he makes too many dumb decisions, whereas Pajemski just seems to make the right decision all the time. And that is what Kerr and that Golden State offense loves. But we cannot just leave Kaminga on the wire. He, he should be rostered. Pat Williams sits there as an injury replacement. He is getting a boost with Zach Levine out. And we saw last game, Williams stepped it up. And again, it's one of those ones where I get the, the question as soon as it happens. Always remember, guys, one game sample sizes don't tell you shit. Because Patrick Williams scored 25 points last game. Man, is Patrick Williams figuring it out? I mean, he did in that game. He shot 80%, but that is absolutely nothing in terms of what it means moving forward. Now, irrespective of that, that's a nice bonus. If you get 10 points, five rebounds, two assists, 1.5 steals, 1.2 blocks, two threes, that's enough. Anything you get on top of it is great. I'm not going to say that he's figuring it out after one game. I'm not going to say that someone's trash like Karis Vert after one game. It's about much longer sample size stuff. So Pat Williams is a good injury replacement. Taylor Horton Tucker also with Keontae George out. Now, he did come off the bench behind Chris Dunn last game, but they ended up playing the same amount of minutes, and that's because Horton Tucker was sick. Now, I'm also sick of watching him, and I think Jazz fans are as well, because he makes some of, speaking of feel, he makes some of the dumbest decisions with the ball that I've ever seen. Not ever seen, because I've watched Tony Roten, but he's a little Tony Roten, right? He just makes horrible early shot clock shot decisions, pass decisions, turnover decisions. He's bad, and he will he should not under any circumstance, hold this job when Keontae George returns. But what he can do is put up a lot of stats. And we can have a crack at that while George is out. TJ McConnell, I don't know how long Tyrese Halliburton's going to be out. But as long as he is, you have to roster TJ McConnell. There is nothing about that. Andrew Nempard's out anyway. So even if you grab McConnell and Halliburton plays next game, you still get 18 minutes out of McConnell, which might give you 9, 5, and 5 with two steals. Honestly, it might. And that, that's actually enough. Even though we say 9, 5, and 5 might be a negative in those categories, it still has added on to your total. Again, back to the early the early discussion. An unplanned circle back. Eric Gordon, the other one there, with Bradley Beal out. 35% rostered, Gordo. Don't worry about the two-game week. Talked about that enough. With Beal out, Gordon and Allen are going to play pretty solid roles. They're going to be hovering around the top 100 mark. And that's just too good, I think, to be out there leaving uh, dangling on the old waiver wire. Um, all right. Lastly, let's just look at some other names that I think are important for us to talk about. I've talked about this guy a lot. He is 2% rostered, and his name is Taylor Hendricks of the Utah Jazz. This is going to happen. Taylor Hendricks already looks like maybe the Jazz's best defender, more versatile than Walker Kessler. Kessler's a very good rim protector, Hendricks can do both. Maybe that's too far, but it's it's not crazy. He can shoot, he can rebound, he can score. He is going to put up, without getting too hyperbolic, he is going to put up, I think, top 90 numbers for the last six weeks of the season, maybe two months. He is getting consistent rotation minutes at the moment. Yes, there are a lot of caveats. John Collins has been out, market and missed some time. They don't feel particularly confident in what Walker Kessler is doing. He's coming off the bench. Does Collins get traded? Does Eleni get traded? Or at some point, is Hendricks just going to be too good to ignore? I, I have added him in both Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowls because we've got deeper benches. If you're in a 16-team league, I think he's worth grabbing. He could go back to zero minutes really soon. I, I understand that. But also understand this. One thing, again, I, I'm never just going to be out here on this show telling you, do this. You must do this because that's not how fantasy works or how any... I can't do that even for my own team to know how to do things exactly. But what I'm always going to be doing is telling you how to interpret or how to view or how I think you should, but also how to interpret what I'm saying. 
Understand that I had Taylor Hendricks as a top five player in this draft class. I had Taylor Hendricks as a top five player as a dynasty rookie. He slid down to nine and barely played, didn't play in summer league, didn't play at the start of the season. So it made it look bad. So of course, when I see him play and he does the things that I like or the things that I've saw him do in the past, I'm going to go, hey, I'm pretty bloody excited. I think this talent, which I fully believe in, is going to push through. Believe that, that that is what I believe because I already had these priors in place. But that might not happen. Am I too rosy on him? Am I you're trying to get him over the line because I was high on him in the draft? That is all possibly an unconscious bias that I have with him. I also just think he's still really good. I wouldn't be grabbing him in 12s yet, but the more I watch, and yeah, you know what? I have watched a game or two. If you watch the game, I have watched some games. I, have, I, I worked out how to do it last week, watched a couple. Um, the more I watch Hendricks, I go, they, they really do need him out there. I feel somewhat somewhat similar about Bryce Sensible, although that's a little bit further down the track. So originally I was thinking trade deadline early March for Hendricks. I'm thinking we might get something mid-January. I wouldn't 12-team stash yet, but we're getting there. Norm Powell, another name to know, just one of those perfect guys like a Josh Hart that we talked about. DeAndre Hunter even. Like you put him on your roster, it's going well, you drop him off, schedule when it makes sense, on, off, on, off. Someone gets hurt, Powell stays on longer. They get healthy, he goes off. He comes on and off. That's simple stuff. He's available everywhere. Vince Williams, 1% rostered. Now, the Grizzlies need to make a decision. John Morant comes back this week. They're going to have to cut someone because um, they've got extra roster spots because of the suspension and the inactive list. So I believe they're keeping Bismack Biombo and they're going to cut Kenneth Lofton Jr. Kenneth Lofton Jr., I just don't think he's a rotation player. I've thought this the whole way through and the Grizzlies apparently believe in me. This guy though, Vince Williams... I think he is an NBA rotation player and he's on a two-way contract and I think that's going to get converted. He's been starting their last couple of games. I don't think that continues, but Ja Morant, Desmond Bain, Marcus Smart, Jackson and Biombo, and then like Williams, Kennard, Aldama as the three bench guys, wouldn't be shocked. Vince is putting up good numbers. He's just a name to watch and 1% rostered means that a lot of people are sleeping. If you're in 20s or 18s or 16s, you should be on a roster right now. Dante DiVincenzo is at 15%. He's in that whole morass of Knicks. He's been putting up better numbers than Grimes and Quickly and Hart. And maybe he's the guy that you want. Whereas Quickly and Hart are well ahead of DiVincenzo in roster percentage. So I probably wouldn't rush to grab the big ragu in 12s. But in 14s, I, I definitely would. It's going to be up and down, but he's playing well. Kelly Linux sits at 22%. Are they going to continue to start him over Walker Kessler? As long as he's there and playing 25 a night, that's a 12-team guy. It is hard to trust at long term, but for now... There's immense value there. And the last guy I do want to talk about is Isaac Okoro, who did start in place of Darius Garland and actually played well. I don't for a single second believe that Isaac Okoro is someone we add in 12-10 leagues. But in 16s, absolutely. In 14s, I would consider it. If you can get 1.5 steals, 12 points, two threes, three assists maybe, it's all Okay. And then the occasional pop-off game like yesterday, I think all of that is enough to warrant a level of discussion. And I don't know you're going to get many discussions on many fantasy shows about Taylor Hendricks, Vince Williams, and Isaac Okoro. But that's what we do here. We try and go deep. That's what she said. And that will do it for today's Waiver Wire show. If you are here on YouTube, I forgot to mention this at the start, but you guys are all double bangers, aren't you? Watch the YouTube video, give it a thumbs up, give it a comment, go listen to the audio. You're just banging it doubly all the way through. 
We want double bangers. Be a double banger. Hit the like, hit the subscribe on YouTube, comment, and then download the audio as well. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.